tell you what, I'm excited about this series we've had, The Pursuit of Excellence. We're in our final part, part four of this series. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been an excellent series, if I, if I do say so myself. Well, the re- reason we call this The Pursuit of Excellence and not The Pursuit of Perfection is because with perfection, we can never actually get there. In fact, only God is perfect. There's only one true perfect God, and He's the God that we serve, a perfect God with perfect love, who loves you and loves me with all His heart, and, and uh, when He created you, He didn't make, did not make a mistakes. So what is excellence then? Well, there's a difference between excellence and <clears throat> perfection. Another word for excellence is make it better. Can we make it better? Can we get better than we were before? And, uh, and it's always about a journey. It's not about a r- arrival. Like we, we do not have a perfect service, but we, 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 sh- we aim for excellence to help. Can we make it better every week? Can we, can we connect with God better? Can we connect with God more? Can we become better in, in what we do? And let us not, settle, let us not be people who settle for less. Too many of us settle for less. You know, okay, you know, I've got an okay life. I'm going to settle for an okay life when God wants you to, to settle for the best. Settle with excellence. Continue to strive and, and walk with Him and because he, uh, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? Well, you know, believe it or not, but when I was growing up uh, in my high school, I was part of my school's wrestling team. Okay, I'm not talking about WWE or WWF. There was no ring with turnbuckles or anything like that. But I'm talking about Olympic wrestling, you know, pure wrestling. Okay, so, uh, and so I was, uh, I, uh, I was part of our school wrestling team. And um, while I was part of this team, I kind of developed my secret move. Okay, my secret move. I had been developing this secret move. So now I'm at my last year of school, Form 7, which is um, year 13. And, and so what my secret move was this. Was I put out a bait, which was my leg. It was a bait. And I'll bait them in. And, and if they took the bait, I could pin them in three seconds. That's how long it took. They went for my bait, and then I'll pin them in three seconds. Well, anyway, now this is the Auckland Champs, and I'm at the Auckland Championships. And, uh, and, I'm, and, and I go and I take my first opponent. And as I'm wrestling my first opponent, you know, there's, um, we're going for it. But, um, but it's kind of stalemate. Now we go to round two. And in round two, others say, you know what? I'm going to try my secret move. So I put the bait up. I said, come on, take the bait. He takes the bait. And I pin him in three seconds. It worked. It worked. I was going, wow, that was amazing. So now I go to my... My second match. And this time I start with my secret move. Put the bait up. He went for the bait and I pinned him in three seconds. Then I went to the, my third match. Then my fourth match. Doing the same thing. Then I did the quarterfinals. Did the same thing. Put my secret move up. They went for the bait and I pinned them. Went through the semifinals. The same thing happened. Pinned them in three seconds. And I made it to the finals. Remember, I don't consider myself a, a, a good wrestler. I consider myself an average wrestler. But however, the secret move seems to be the secret source that had got me to the finals. So now I'm in the finals, and, and, and I'm wrestling against this guy from St. Kennegan's College. And uh, this, my high school was Mangere College. And all the, we're the only high school um, at this tournament that didn't have any wrestling trunks or gear or anything like that. We just had plain black shorts. And so the guy I'm wrestling, he had the wrestling trunks, he had the wrestling boots, 
had even the, the wrestling headgear on his head and all these kind of things. And, and to be honest, quietly, us in Mangere College, there was nowhere, no way we were seen dead wearing those wrestling trunks. That's not how we roll, south side. And so, so I'm on I'm now, okay, I'm taking this guy on my black shorts, ready to go, you know. And I put the bait up. Come and get it. This guy doesn't take the bait. So I put it out again. Come and get it. He doesn't take the bait. I have to actually wrestle this guy. So we wrestle, and we go all the rounds. Nobody is pinned. Nobody's pinned all the rounds, and we go all round one, round two, round three. We, we complete all the rounds, uh, and then finally, it, had to, it came down to points. Who scored the most points while we were wrestling? And so he ended up with a, on eight points. I ended up on seven points. So I, I didn't get the gold medal. He got the gold medal. I got the silver medal for the Auckland Championships. Here's the thing. I got complacent. Got complacent in my art. I got complacent in, in, in my wrestling. And I was relying on my past victories to get me the gold medal. And because of that, I didn't strive to be better than what I was. I just, you know, what worked before will work again. And then I never strive to get better. And complacency, the complacency is the enemy of excellence. Complacency is the enemy of excellence. And you've got to understand something. Next month is the Rugby World Cup, and we've got the All Blacks, and you know, we're, all, we're all cheering behind them. They may not be the number one ranked team anymore, but you know what? They're still number one contenders. And the, the major threat against the All Blacks is not the Welsh rugby team. It's not the Irish or the English or the Springboks. It's not even the Australian rugby team. But the major threat to the All Blacks is complacency. Complacency. And this is what complacency is. It's a feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try to make them better. Because remember what I said about excellence? Another word for excellence is make it better. That's why complacency is the enemy of excellence because it's like, I don't want to make things better. I'm happy to where things are. I'm okay with, I'm okay with, with things. I'm not going to get better at what I'm doing. Complacency is the enemy of excellence. Complacency means okay is good enough. But Excellence. Excellence is not about being the best, but it's about being your best. About being your best. Because, you know, you do not want to settle for an okay marriage. You know what? My marriage is okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think I, will have to, I need to make it better. But you know what? I want, I, I want the best marriage. I want the best. I don't want to settle for an average marriage. I want to settle for, I want an excellent marriage that gets better every day. Not just once, but every day. I want my health to be better. I don't want to be complacent with our health. And I think for too many men, we get complacent with our health. Like we don't get, get checked up or anything like that. One of, the, one of the, the silent killers, especially for men, is high blood pressure. Because high blood pressure doesn't show, there's no symptoms and we don't have any symptoms of high blood pressure. Um, but if you don't look after yourself, that's one of the biggest things that kill men every year is high blood pressure. So don't be complacent about your health. Do something about it. Okay? Because it's not about being the best. It's about being your best. Are you being the best with your health? Are you being the best in your marriage? Are you doing the best with, in, in your education? Are you, doing the, are you, are you being the best um, in your workplace? Complacency says, I don't need to get better. I'm fine as I am. But excellence means being better tomorrow than you were yesterday. Come on, look, I don't want to be just an average dad. I want, to be, I want to be a better dad than I was yesterday. I don't want to just settle at being, I was good yesterday, oh, that's it. I was good last week, that's all it is. I want to be a better dad every single day. I don't want to just be an average husband. I want to be a better husband. I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to be better than I was today. I don't want to be just an average leader. I want to be a better leader. I don't want to be an average pastor. 
I want to be a better pastor. I can't just settle for less. I can't just settle for okay. I can't just settle for average. Okay, because complacency is the enemy of excellence. You know, am I being better? Am I be- being better today than I was yesterday? And that's what the pursuit of excellence is all about. I mean, especially here in New Zealand, we've got this real complacent attitude. Like, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right. You know, my marriage, she'll be right. And if we have these kind of attitudes, then that's when we, we find the enemy or things, trouble coming upon us, and we, we weren't even aware of it. You know, excellence means matching your practice with your potential. Matching your practice with your potential. You know, if you just rely on complacency with your studies, well, you know what? I finished one, one assignment. I finished this study. Oh, you know, I can just take it easy. I can be complacent with my studies. I don't need a study. You know, I got an assignment due, but I, I'm just going to go out with my friends and do all these things and watch, binge watch something on Netflix or something like that. Next year or not, you've got three assignments due and you've got another one coming. And we end up saying these famous student prayer. I don't know if you've prayed this prayer before, but it, the, the famous student prayer goes something like this. Lord, Help me to remember everything that I never studied. You know, don't we do that? Help me remember everything. Help me with my studies. Lord, I've got my exam coming up. Lord, help me to remember everything that I've never studied for. You know, complacency. Complacency is the enemy of excellence. Come on. Does your practice match your potential? So today I really want to talk to us about David in the Bible. Now David, David in the Bible, he became the greatest leader Israel had known. In fact, the Bible would say of David that he was a man after God's own heart. And so David is like, he's quite like a star in the Bible. But when you read his stories, you'll see that there are some low parts in his life. And when you look at these low parts in his life, you realize the reason these low parts happen is because of complacency. So now before David became this greatest king, before all that happened, he started off as a shepherd boy. And what had happened, you know, uh, the, um, the Philistines, who were the enemy of God's people, they were, coming, they were coming against Israel. And so the Philistines were on one side and, and the Israelites were on another side. But right in the middle was, was the Philistine champion, Goliath, the giant. And he was like, come on, is anybody man enough to take me on? And he started and he was saying, your God is hopeless. Who, who is your God? David turns up this little shepherd boy this teenager, he's coming to bring food for his brothers who are, who are hiding with all the rest of the army. And he hears these things and he goes, what? Why are you guys hiding? Don't you know who our God is? Don't you know who the God that we serve? He's, this guy might be a giant, but our God is bigger than this giant. And so David goes on, takes this giant, and he takes him down with a slingshot. One stone in the head. He, you know, he's, he looked at this giant. while wow, he's got a big head. How can I miss? And he takes this giant down. And he kills the giant. David overnight becomes a national hero. Overnight, David. In fact, David will go on and he will lead, uh, he will lead Israel's army into many battles. And his fame grew and grew and grew. So much so that, that King Saul, he became, became jealous of David. The king of Israel got jealous of David. So he ordered David to be put to death. And so uh, King Saul's son, Jonathan, who was best friends of, of David, Warns David, David, you need to go. My dad's, he's after you. So David goes, he's in hiding. While he's in hiding, he, you know, David has this, this charisma about him. He kind of attracts people towards him. And he kind of, all, all of a sudden, you know, the, the outcasts are drawn to David. And all of a sudden, he's got like 600 men uh, around him. And this is where it gets kind of murky for David. This is where it kind of gets murky with David. See, so David went from walking by faith, trusting in God, to walking by sight. And what he saw was, if I remained in Israel, if I remain in Israel, I'm going to die. 
You know, he no longer trusted that God will protect him. He no longer trusted like he was as this teenager saying, you know, if my God is for me, who can be against me? You know, my God is greater than, than what you currently see. To all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm out of here. And he, where does he go? He heads to the Philistines, the enemy of God's people. He heads to the Philistines and he takes his band of merry men with him and he, they become mercenaries for the Philistines. The Philistines are so impressed with him, they give, they give David and his men the city of Ziglag. Everybody say Ziglag. Now, Ziglag is in the territory of Gath. Everybody say Gath. Gath. And I want you to remember that word Gath. This is where, where David ends up and Ziglag is city. And so David ends up in the city of Gath and uh, Ziklag, and, and that's it becomes his, his operational base, right? And his family's there, his wives are there, his man's family there, and they, they flourish and they use this as a base and they go off to do their mercenary things and they come back. Wow, year and a half later. Okay, now the Philistines are ready to take on the Israelites, right? And they're taking on King Saul and his men. And so David, he saddles up. And right alongside the Philistines, they say, look, I'm with you guys. Come on, let's take these guys on. And the Philistines, they're like, they kind of don't trust David. They love him, but they don't trust him. They go, hey, you know, David, we're fighting against your people. And I'll tell you what, go back home to Ziklag. Because what they're thinking is like, if David comes with us, he might turn on us. Because they recognize the warrior and the, the strategic general that David is. And they send him back to Ziklag. Because, no, you're not coming with us into battle. Go back to Ziklag. Go back to the city we gave you. So David and his merry men head back to Ziklag. And this is where we're going to take up in our Bibles. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 to 19. And here we go. Verse 1. So David and his merry men head back to Ziklag. So David and his men, they reach Ziklag on the third day. Now the Malachites, this, so these are, these are different to the Philistines, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and taken captive the woman and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way because what they did is that they would sell them into slavery and probably into Egypt. So this was their goal. This is why they didn't kill anybody. Because they turned up to Ziklag, unprotected. It was like theirs for the taking. So they took everybody, and the, the, there was no fight, so there was no, no need to kill anybody. We can just take these people and sell them and get some money for, for it. So when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Verse 4, so David and his men wept out loud until they had no strength left to weep. It's one thing to, to lose your possessions, but it's another thing to lose your family. You, you, when, you, when you read the story, you can, you can read the, 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 the deep emotion going on that they wept so much because their, their wives and their children were gone. And in their minds, you, you, when, you, when you lose somebody you love and you don't know where they are, you, the worst things come to your mind. And they're thinking, what are they going to do to my wives? What are they doing to our children? And they wept and, and, and uh, so much so that they had no energy left. How did David, this mighty warrior, end up in this predicament? How did David end up in this place? And the answer is complacency. David became complacent. And, and, and what David did, he relied on his past victories. He relied on his past victories. You know what? Uh, whatever I do, I never lose. I never lose. And in David's arrogance, he leaves 
his wife and children in their city unprotected. I mean, nobody's going to attack our city. You know, I've, I've, I've won one battle after another after another. My kids, my family, they're safe. And this is what happens with complacency. You're unaware of trouble that is coming your way because you're complacent in your own ability. And you're not aware of what's going on because you you're not interested in making things better. What's worked in the past will work again. And you don't see trouble coming until it hits you right in the face. So now David finds himself in complacency, and he, and he loses everything. He loses everything. And this is what I want you to, I remember I was talking about Gath. You've got to understand something. David became a national hero because he defeated the giant Goliath. Now, Goliath was the Philistine, he was the Philistine champion. But Goliath was from the region of Gath, the region of Gath. So David ends up living in the same region that Goliath came from. Because you cannot live in your yesterday's success. Because David ended up living in his yesterday's success. He ended up living in his, in his victory over, over, over the giant Goliath. You can't live in your yesterday's success because living in yesterday's success will lead to today's complacencies. Living in yesterday's success will lead to today's complacencies. So often, so often we... we we have all these victories in God, like God, he brought the breakthrough. You know, I was praying and God brought breakthrough and, and, and he brought healing and he, and he brought breakthrough in my finances and God is so good. And you sought God, you prayed and you started reading a Bible and, and, and you started getting breakthroughs and after breakthroughs, after breakthroughs. And then what, and you got to understand something, when you have victories, when you have success, complacency can come upon you and you get comfortable and we get comfortable in our faith and, and then we stop seeking God like we used to. We stopped reading, you know, I've got my breakthrough, I'm, I'm okay. Because when I was struggling, I was crying out to God, I'm struggling, God, I need you, God, I, you know, I, I can't do it without you. And then we get the victory and we're all good. And we, and we stop calling out to God. Because we don't need God anymore. Because if you don't need God, you don't see God. So I don't need God anymore, and I'm okay with my past victories, because that's okay. I used to read my Bible every, every day, but you know what, Sunday will do for me. I like listening to that bald head guy on a Sunday. Uh, that's all the Bible reading I need for the day. You know, that's, you know, that's all, all the praying I need for the week. I don't need to do it every day. I'll just get my fill on a Sunday. But let me, let me tell you something. If, if Sundays is the only place where you're growing spiritually, then there's something wrong with your spiritual growth. But it's a daily thing. Every single day. Do not get complacent with your faith. Do not be complacent with your Bible reading. Don't get complacent with, uh, with your prayer. Don't, do not rely on yesterday's victories because living in yesterday's success will lead to today's complacencies. And when trouble come, when troubles come, it will come and you didn't even know it. You did, and you'll be saying, how did I end up in this place? God, I thought you were with me. What happened? What happened? What happened is you were complacent. That's what happened. Living in yesterday's success will lead to today's complacency. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Now, now not only did he lose his family, now his men wanted him dead. He's at the lowest point, the lowest point of his life. And you've got to understand something. When, when David had when he stepped over to the Philistines, to the enemy of God's people, he had stopped seeking God. Because when we read the passages, not once does he seek God. 
because he started to rely on his past success. Well, if God was for me then, then I'm all sweet. God will protect me all the way through. I don't need to go back to God. I don't need to seek God. That's all. I'm all good. And he became complacent. He became complacent. And now he's in a place and his men want to kill him. Have you been in a place where you've been with people, where you, you loved them, you cried with them, you walked with them, they've been up in your house till midnight and you've been with them during their hardest time, but then something happens in your relationship and now they've turned their back on you. And you're like, what happened? I, I, you know, I was with you. You've, you've forgotten all the things we've done. You know, sometimes it's like that with God. God's walked with you. He's cried with you. He's journeyed with you. Then something happens and you turn your back on God. What's really interesting is that the nature of man is blame. Isn't that so true? When something wrong happens in our life, we blame everything else. Like, you know, I don't know why my boss is being an egg. I know I keep turning up late to work, but he should understand why I'm late because of traffic. My car broke down. I know I've been consistently late, but I don't know why he's on my back all the time. You know, I had to take, had to take my dog to the, to, uh, I don't know, uh, to the grocery store. I don't know why he would do that. But it was, uh, you know, he had all these reasons why you're late for work. Now you've been made, you've been let off, you've been fired. And like, I don't know why my boss fired me for. I know I've been late all this time, but there's really reason. Now I'm in financial difficulties, and it's my boss's fault. Man, if he never laid me off, I wouldn't be in this situation, right? And we go down the path, well, maybe it's because of the way I was brought up, and this is why the way I am today. We, we, we look for people to blame after, uh, uh, after people, after people to blame. And when we run out of people to blame, we run out of things to blame, we start to blame God. God, it's your fault. God, if it wasn't for you, what happened? I was faithful to you, and this happened in my life. Why did you let this happen? We start blaming God because we got complacent. And let's be honest, your greatest regrets could have been avoided if you weren't complacent in your finances, complacent in your time management, complacent in your relationship. It could have been avoided if you weren't complacent. You know, this blame nature goes all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve. When God created man, God said, do not eat from this tree of good and evil. Do not eat from, they need its fruit from that tree. And what happens, Adam eats off the fruit, and then God comes in and goes, Adam, Adam, who told you that you can eat off this fruit? And then Adam, he, he was a man of accountability, and he said, God, it is totally my fault. I know my wife gave me the fruit, but Lord, you, you, you told me not to eat of it, not her. So I'll take full responsibilities for my action. Please forgive me, forgive me for my actions. Please, I'm so sorry. I'm so, no, Adam doesn't do that, right? What does Adam do? It was the woman. It was the woman. Pass the buck straight away. Because that's our nature. We blame. It was the woman, but he wasn't finished there. He wasn't finished with just blaming the woman. It was the woman that you gave me. Now he's blaming God, right? God, think about it, God. If you never gave me this woman, none of this would have happened. Don't get me wrong. I love the woman. She is awesome. Awesome. It makes sleep time a lot more fun. But God... God, it was the woman that you gave me. So he blames the woman. What does the woman do? It was the snake. It was the, the woman blames the snake. And then the snake doesn't have a leg to stand on after that. I don't know. So we, we end up in this place. We have this blame game. That's the nature of man. We blame, 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 blame. Hey, I just want to say something. Stop blaming Stop blaming people. Stop blaming things. Stop blame, blaming the way you were raised. Stop blaming God. It's time to be accountable for who you are because it's about the pursuit of excellence being better than it was yesterday. 
And that's what excellence is all about. You know, this was my past, but this is where I'm going. You know, devil, I'm gonna sh- you, you keep showing me about my past. You keep showing me that, 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 that how, my, my, how useless I was in my past, but I'm showing where I'm going. I'm going to show you, devil, like my past is to show you how I've overcome. Because I'm not staying in my past. Because, uh, nothing, because let me tell you something, my past does not determine my future. Because every, every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. Amen? So the nature of man is blame, and, and, and this is the application of this whole message. So we see the nature of man and David's men, right? You see the nature of man and David's men. They murmur, and they get angry. Man, look, you ever heard people murmur? Man, look, at, I can't believe they do this in church. Oh, my gosh, you know, look, he's got, can't he afford, like, jeans without holes in it? You know, look, finally he's got jeans without holes in it. Oh, my God. And people, we murmur, and murmur about everything. Man, look at, look at the way that they, they dress their children. And we murmur, 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 murmur. And we get angry. The answer to that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, you, you, you've offended me, and now I'm angry at you, and now you owe me. And if you don't pay back to me what you owe, then I'm going to take it out on you. And maybe not you, I'm going to take it out on people that reminds me of you. And, and the only solution to that is forgiveness. That I'm canceling the debt that you owe me. I'm canceling that debt. Because Jesus has set me free, so I'm canceling it. And, and, and no longer will that rule over my life. I'm going to stop murmuring. I'm going to stop being angry. And I'm going to, I'm going to do what David did. And this is what David did. But David found strength. In the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. We can either look for someone to blame, or we can do what David did. Instead of blaming God for his current situation, he turned them, turned to God for strength. See, the best muscle you can develop is your prayer muscle. Is your prayer muscle. David knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord was through prayer. He said, God, I need you right now. You've got to understand something. Um, David, you read in the next chapter, King Saul and his three sons die in battle against the Philistines. They die in battle, including Jonathan, who was David's best friend. They die in battle. And then, and then the next chapter goes into the second book of Samuel, and, and it opens with David becomes king. So you've got to understand something. When David learned to strengthen himself in the Lord, that is when he became king. That is when he was able to step into his potential. That's when he was able to step into his purpose, when he learned to strengthen himself within the Lord. Dependence is power. Dependence in God is power. We need to understand something. When everything is against you, when you've come to the end of yourself, when you've hit rock bottom, I'm telling you the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's nothing more dangerous than somebody who's making a comeback. When we learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, when we, when we become accountable for our actions. Yes, Lord, I know I haven't been perfect, but I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. Because the, the difference, let me tell you my prayer. Prayer is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. Come on. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Prayer is powerful. We underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer is not powerful because who is praying, but because who is listening. Did you understand that? Prayer is not powerful because of who is praying, but who is listening. You know, God listens to your prayer. Do you understand the power of prayer? And I love what happens next, verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party, or will I 
And will I overtake them? You need to understand something. Remember, David had been in, the, in, in this area for two and a half years and he hadn't inquired of the Lord. And so he, he strengthens himself in God. Then he inquires of the Lord. You know, God didn't go, well, I'm not gonna talk to you. You haven't been talking to me for the last two years. You know, God does not hold grudges. God, right from the beginning, he continues to hold his hand out saying, come on, I'm here for you. If you only realize that I'm here, if you realize the power that is available to you, if you're able, if you strengthen yourself in me, come on, you're greater than you think. You're smarter than you think. You're stronger than you think. Come on, strengthen yourself in me because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And David, he lost his family. He lost his children. Everybody wanted to kill him, but he sought strength in the Lord. And after he was strengthened in God, he said, God, what shall we do? He inquired of the Lord and, and God replied. He says, pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. You know, God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. And David wasn't complacent with this prayer because, you know, we have all these complacent prayers, right? God, you go and do it. God, you know, there are people hungry out in the world. Lord, I just pray, may you feed them. You know, there's something, that's what we call a complacent prayer. But let's be prayer and action. When we pray, let's be people that, that action what we pray. Prayer and action. Let us not be praying for people who are, who are in need when we've got food in the cupboard to feed people. Let us not pray for people who are cold when we've got a linen cupboard full of blankets. You know, let's, be, let's not just pray for our school when you have the ability to go make a difference in your school. Let's be prayer and action. Oh, wait, God, I thought I was just going to sit back and be comfortable. I'm going let to let you do all the work. That's complacency. Complacency, like, I don't need to get any better. I don't need to get involved. I'm stepping out of it. And David, he heard of God, and God said, you have the victory. David didn't sit back, but he pursued. He pursued prayer and action. Prayer and action. He knew he had the victory, but he knew that he was going to sit around and let things happen. But he picked themselves up. He picked himself up, and he told his men, come on, God is with us. Not only did he strengthen himself, but he strengthened his men. Come on, you need, to t- you need to do something. It's time for you to go back to the enemy's camp and take back your life. Take it back, because God has given you the victory. Take it back. Don't sit back and let other people do it. Don't go and blame other people for your current situation, but take it back. Do something about it. Prayer is powerful. Do you realize the power that God has in you? Because what does the following verse tell us in verse 17? David fought them from dusk until the evening the next day, and none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Malachites had taken. Come on, don't be complacent. Don't be complacent. You cannot live in your yesterday's success. You cannot live in your yesterday's success. Don't settle for an average. Don't settle for an average marriage. Don't settle for an average finances. Don't settle for, you know, oh, this is all my lot in life. Don't don't blame your past. But you know what? Your past does not define your future. Complacency will define your future, but but it does not define your future. If you let it define your future, it's time for you to pick yourself up and keep moving forward, prayer and action, because dependency is power. Dependency in God is power. And this is what I mean by that. You know, about three and a half years ago, about four years ago, 2015, you know, at that time, we were just the family's ministry pastors, still the worship pastor. And you know what? Our marriage, it probably 
was, was, it was the hardest time in our, in our life, in our marriage. We're coming up to our 10th wedding anniversary. I got so consumed with ministry. I got so, so consumed in, in work and everything else. I got complacent with, my, with our marriage. I got complacent with my family. I got complacent. I thought, she'll be right. It will be okay. It will pan out. Everything will be okay. It was our 10th wedding anniversary. We almost did not make our 10th wedding anniversary. Until, we start, until our prayer lives change. Prayer is power. Do you realize who's listening to your prayer? Come on, we need to develop our, our prayer muscles. You know where our prayer muscle is? It's our knees. It's on our knees. You know, um, that's why my jeans, I, they're ripped sometimes when I wear them. It's from on my knees all the time. And these jeans, I haven't been praying enough on these. There's no, no holes in there. But it's on your knees. You can, you know, you can't stand before anybody unless you kneel before the one who gives you life. And I stopped and I started praying. You know, we have these prayers. I'm going to pray. When you've got an issue in your family, you're like, Lord, I just pray, pray for, you know, I didn't pray, Lord, I pray for my wife. Help her see the, the error of her ways. Help her be, be nicer. Lord, help her. Help, Lord, I just, just pray, Lord, just, just let her see the true way, my way, obviously. Just, Lord, uh, you know, I didn't pray like that, even though I may have been thinking it. <laughs> I started my prayer life change. Lord, I just pray. Help me be a better husband. Lord, help me listen better. Instead of praying for you, I'm like, God, I need change. You need to change this heart. Help me be a better father. Help me, help me be a better father for my children. And you know what? As I started to pray, it's almost like I started to repent of this being dependent of God, dependent from God to be dependent on God, of God. And so, God, I need you. I can't do this. Lord, help me be a better pastor. And things began to change. And I know my wife was praying the same thing. Uh, I hope she was praying the same thing. Maybe she was praying, help him see the error of his way. And God answered her prayer. I don't know. But we began to pray these things. And our marriage just went from strength to strength to strength to strength. And we went away on our 10th wedding anniversary. It was amazing. But let me tell you something. We learned to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And this is, we did not know when we were away on our, on our wedding anniversary, we did not know what was going to happen two months later. We had no idea. But two months later, we became the senior pastors of Hamilton Elam Church. But it wasn't until we learned to strengthen ourselves within the Lord. You know, don't give up. Don't get complacent. You know, we still have to be dependent on God. We're still praying, and we're still, and I'm still praying, God, make me a better husband. Because you know what? I'm, you know, I'm saying this. They're like, wow, their marriage must be perfect. You talk to my wife, she'll tell you the truth. <laughs> you talk to my children, they'll tell you the truth. Because like, we can't be complacent. If, I just, if we just relied on what God did for us in 2015, we won't, we're not going to be around that long. We've got to always work at it. We can never be complacent. Our marriage is continuing pursuit of excellence in our marriage. Uh, you know, my relationship with God, there's a continued pursuit of excellence with my love for God. You know, I love Jesus, but I keep asking myself, can I love Him more? Can I love Jesus more? I love Him. Can I love Him more? What can I do? I, I love reading my Bible. Can I get deeper in my Bible? You know, I don't want to be complacent in, what, in the things of God. I don't want to be complacent in, in, with my children. I don't want to be complacent with my wife. I don't want to be complacent with my leadership in any way because complacency, complacency is the enemy of excellence, 
Um, you know, do not settle for average. Do not settle for okay. God made you more than a conqueror. There's more in you. Come on, you're smarter than you think. Come on, you're braver th- than you know. Come on, you sh- you're stronger than you could ever ask or imagine. How do I know this? Because God made you. And God does not make mistakes. You know, sometimes God will put a Goliath in your life for you to find the David within you. See, the tragedy of life is often not in our failure, but rather in our complacency. Not in our doing too much, but rather in our doing too little. Not in living above our ability, but rather in living below our capacity. See, don't look over your shoulder to see who's coming. But the real opposition is complacency. Complacency is the enemy of excellence.